This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk across the state here on the Sports Talk Media Network on this Friday night. We come to you from the Orange Bowl in Miami Gardens, Florida. Clemson and Tennessee be getting it on a little bit after 8 o'clock tonight for the Orange Bowl Championship. This is one of those rare nights on Sports Talk where we have a bunch of sporting events involving state teams all colluding at the time we're on the air. Of course, right now in Jacksonville, South Carolina and Notre Dame are locked up in a great one. Matt Smith is there. We'll go to him in just a moment. Clemson basketball is playing this afternoon in an ACC game. The Tigers trying to go 3-0 in league play with 2.04 to go. They are leading NC State at Little John 68-61. We'll talk all about that coming up as well. Chris Bergen is covering the Bergie Bowl in Sardis tonight since I'm here at the Orange Bowl and uh, Smitty is at the uh, Gator Bowl. We had to have a Bergie at a bowl game. He's at the Bergie Bowl in Sardis. Pat Daniel is back at our Dave & Buster Studios in Columbia. So we've got a lot of things moving, a lot of moving pieces tonight here on Sports Talk. And uh, right now here at the Orange Bowl, we've got some of the uh, the players arriving early, going through some very early uh, warm-ups and things like that. But they are well into the second half in Jacksonville. A heck of a ball game going on between the Gamecocks and the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Smitty is there. Welcome in, my friend, and Happy New Year to you. And Court, I had to step, I had to step away because of the crowd noise. Hmm. Uh, it is a artist in crowd. Hey, Smitty, I'm going to break in because you're breaking up. I think uh, the crowd and the internet situation there is. Uh, shaking because the stadium is probably shaking as the Gamecocks have just scored a touchdown to go ahead 31-24. A rattler to Leggett pass puts the Gamecocks on top. A great a, a great catch by Xavier Leggett for the Gamecocks to put them up 31-24. Bergie, I know you've been watching the game from the outset, and uh, fireworks in every department for the Gamecocks so far in this one. Offensively, a pick six on defense, and another touchdown off a fake field goal. Phil, I was going to look it up, but I'm not sure there's reference points for this. But I would bet teams that score on defense, score on offense, and score on special teams, the percentage of wins in a game like that has to be almost 100%. I can't imagine if you score on your special teams and your defense in particular that you lose the game. And right now, to Notre Dame's credit, they've withstood some of that. And then the Leggett catch just a moment ago that they had to review to make sure his foot was down inbounds just inside the sideline was an amazing catch on a great throw. And they have been, speak of the Gamecocks, they have been sort of that uh, unique, creative offense that we have sometimes wondered where it had been since the North Carolina game. They may have duplicated that game plan from last year, and they're executing it to a T thus far. they just got to find a way to stop Notre Dame now because the Irish starting to uh, sow their oats with the uh, run game. 
Yeah, yeah. And the Irish have had some big plays on offense as well. Pat, let me know whenever Smitty's ready to go, and we'll go back to him in Jacksonville. All right, he is ready. All right, Smitty, back to you. Fill us in on what you've seen so far there this afternoon. Yeah, it's been a terrific ball game and a great back-and-forth affair. Uh, South Carolina, you have to give them a lot of credit for game planning. They came out ready, and they started throwing haymakers immediately. And then, as Chris just mentioned, you've got to give a lot of credit to Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame for staying poised because throw the game script out. The expectation was all week that Notre Dame would be able to run the football, control the tempo, they could play field position. The first half played out nothing like that. Ten chunk plays for Notre Dame of ten yards or more in the first half. Big plays kept them in it. South Carolina, meanwhile, they didn't run the ball, so neither team was really running the football, but they supplemented their deep passing game with a quick passing game. And Spencer Rattler was really on fire early on, really only stopped by the fact there were two drops early and a Marion Browns drop. But then, like I said, you've got to give credit to the Irish for asserting themselves they outgained the Gamecocks almost 2-1 to one between the second quarter all the way to the beginning of the third quarter as they came all the way back and tied this ball game. But as I'm watching, what I am seeing here in the stadium, which is a big-time partisan Gamecocks crowd, probably 4-1 to one or 5-1 to one in favor of the Garnet and Black over the Golden Domers. What I am seeing, however, is even though South Carolina's shorthanded, their athletes on the outside are just flat better. They can't cover Dakarian Joyner. They can't cover Xavier Leggett. They definitely can't cover Juice Wells. It, you know, I know that both teams are playing with some opt-outs and some players that hit the transfer portal, but if you look at this from the, the wide lens, win or lose this game, Shane Beamer has done an outstanding job with this roster. They are the more talented team. Whether they win or not, I don't know, but they have better football players than does Notre Dame, and I'm watching it right now with my own eyes. Yeah, uh, and you have to be impressed with some of the play calling that's going on, Smitty, with the fact that they lost uh, Marcus Satterfield after the season. They're going by a, a committee, I guess, running the offense. Certainly somebody. There's got to be a chief and, and some Indians. Yep. You can't have all Indians uh, on that committee. There's got to be a chief making the final call, and whoever's been orchestrating the offenses. He's done a heck of a job the way he's mixed things up from where I can see it on television, the way they have um, run a lot of motion out, out there, a lot of creative plays. They just haven't sat back in the pocket and relied on Rattler to stand back there and throw it, even though he's having a very good day. They've moved him around. They've tried some different things with the offense thus far. Yeah, the reports from here inside the stadium among all the writers is that this is Freddie Kitchen. Uh, everyone is almost convinced, just hmm. as you said. You know, Shane Beamer can tell us it's a committee. He wouldn't tell us who would be calling plays on game day. But I, Freddie Kitchens has his fingerprints all over this, and everyone seems convinced. We'll ask Shane Beamer, of course, in the post game. I don't know if he'll tell us now or not, but this looks like uh, Freddie Kitchens. And something else I'm noticing is, South Carolina played with terrific tempo and rhythm early. Now, they got out of it, really. It, they, they stung themselves. They stubbed their toe when a Marion Brown fumbled the ball at midfield. Prior to that point, South Carolina wasn't slowing down. They were just pedal to the metal and playing with tempo. And Rattler, you could tell, was very comfortable in doing so. But then the game kind of changed a little bit once Notre Dame was able to slow it down, 
and, and, and go down and score after that Brown fumble. And, of course, he's made up for it since with a couple of nice plays himself. But early on, I'd have to say it's Freddie Kitchens, Tempo, and now uh, South Carolina also, we've got to say, has stood up to the run game. Yes, Notre Dame is starting to get some yardage now here in the second half, but South Carolina playing without a lot of depth on defense, and frankly, they've stood up to the run game as well or better, or better, I would say, than Clemson did, and I think that's a surprise to a lot of people. Certainly to me, I thought if South Carolina was going to win this game, they'd have to do it with big plays over the top, and, and Notre Dame was going to win time of possession. Through two and a half quarters, South Carolina's actually held the ball more than Notre Dame has. Yeah, uh, Notre Dame with 103 rushing yards to this point. And, Chris, uh, I know you're keeping a close watch on it. Smitty is uh, away from the action talking to us. But uh, another turnover, the Gamecock defense just came up with another turnover to give them a chance with a relatively short field here to add some more points. Yeah, and I'm not sure what Buckner was thinking, the quarterback for Notre Dame, who has been fantastic for them. You've got to give that young man a lot of credit. He's played very well, has two rushing touchdowns. But he was scrambling out of the pocket because the Gamecocks are starting to get some pressure on him. He stepped up in the pocket and tried to flip it underhanded. It got deflected up in the air, and Nick Barrett came away with the interception. But USC was unable to do anything with it, and now Kai Kroger is trying to pin them inside the 10-yard line, which he does almost every time he kicks the ball, just pin them down at the 8. And and that is where Notre Dame will start their next drive with, what, six and a half minutes left to go, down seven. Your, your, third, feet is, your feet is is way ahead of Well, not way ahead. You're a good five or six seconds ahead of me, so that's good. You keep an eye on well, things. What's funny is, is Smitty is actually uh, ahead of TV. So Smitty in <laughs> Jacksonville is faster than me here in South Carolina, who's faster than you down in Miami. Yeah. All right, Smitty, we'll let you go. Uh, we'll hear back from you after the bottom of the hour break and uh, get the latest from down in uh, Jacksonville. Absolutely. I'll be ready, and I'll bring you post-game audio from Shane Beamer if I can. And I do want to say this, too. Again, another thing I put my eyes on, Boogie Huntley, Tonka Hemingway, and that group up front. It's been a stalemate on that side right there at the defensive line. I, I think that's really surprising. I think you've got to give uh, not only Clayton White, but the players themselves who are having to play a lot of snaps a ton of credit for where they've played against Notre Dame's talented offensive line. Okay, thank you. Let me give you some of the numbers thus far. USC with 324 total yards to 277 for the Irish. 267 of those yards through the air. Rattler is 26 of 35, 226, two touchdowns. One interception, that was late in the first half. Joyner, one of two, 18 yards. Kroger, one of one, 23 yards and a touchdown. Gamecocks not running it very much, only 17 rushes. McDowell has 28 yards on the ground. For Notre Dame, Buckner is 10 of 21, 174 yards, a touchdown now, two interceptions. Estime has six rushing attempts for 40 yards to lead the ground game. Uh, back to USC in the receiving department. Leggett has uh, seven catches for the Gamecocks for 78 yards and two touchdowns. Atkins has five for 78 yards. Wells has four for 30. He went out for a little while with some kind of an injury. Brown's got four for 22. So, Chris, they've, they've made up for the loss of Van, for the loss of Brooks, for the loss of Bell, which is what good coaches will say next man up who's it going to be and they have found those next men to step up 
And the funny thing, Phil, once again, it's unsung heroes for the Gamecocks. Nate Atkins has been terrific for them. He's been able to run the ball. He's been able to catch the ball, made some big plays. Kind of anticipated he'd have to be the guy because they lost all their tight ends. And then is there a better passing punter in the world than Kai Kroger? He may be yeah. the best passer on USC's roster. I mean, the throw he had on the uh, fake field goal, fake punt, whatever they were going to run, was terrific. And how Notre Dame was not prepared for that against the best special teams unit in the country, it, it, it boggled the mind that they weren't prepared for that play. And it was that easy for the Gamecocks to convert that touchdown. Okay, we'll keep you up to date on that. The basketball game, Clemson has finished off NC State. The Tigers go to 3-0 and in the ACC. They are 78-64 winners over NC State. Hunter Tyson had 31 points and 15 rebounds. My goodness. And Chase Hunter had 12 points and three assists. And Middlebrooks had 10 points and seven rebounds. It was a day of uh, some folks contributing in a huge way that otherwise you, you don't see a lot from. It was not a, a big day for P.J. Hall. Uh, only five points for him and five rebounds in 23 minutes. Uh, he only had one personal foul. Don't know if the, if the knee or the leg was acting up again for him. But anyway, Tyson, Hunter Tyson, uh, picked up the slack with 31 and 15, including nine of nine from the foul line. Tigers shoot 42% to 31% for State. And only 15 total turnovers in the game, eight for State, seven for Clemson. And the Tigers won the boards 42-41. So good win for Clemson, a 3-0 yes. and in ACC play. Uh, sooner or later we'll pay attention, maybe next week I guess, Chris, because 3-0 uh, and for Clemson in ACC play is, is practically unheard of. And take a picture of the standings if you're a Clemson Tiger fan right now because North Carolina lost again today. And I saw a fascinating stat about that. North Carolina has lost more games before January 1st by preseason number one in the last 40 years. Gives you an idea of how overrated North Carolina was or mm. they've got further issues that nobody saw coming. But this is a team that blew another lead and lost to Pittsburgh today. And Clemson's sitting at the top of the league. It looks like the uh, football standings actually. You've got Miami at 4-0. and You've got Pittsburgh at 3-0. and uh, And I'm not even sure if that counted their win today. And then you have Clemson at 3-0 and and Florida State at 2-1. and And I'm pretty sure I'm still looking at the men's basketball standings. Hmm. Yeah, well, you know um, – I don't know you could say that North Carolina was overrated because didn't they return a pretty fair amount of the players on that Final Four team from last year? And, of course, they added some excellent talent to the team. They're just not playing well. You know, something yeah, has – everybody uh, back. So something, something has happened, and uh, they're, they're just not playing well. Dabo Sweeney has entered the arena with his two uh, highway patrolmen from South Carolina. I still don't understand that. Why do football coaches need – Highway Patrolman to uh, follow them. Here it is. It is 619. We're two and a half hours from kickoff. Dabo Sweeney is walking in. He's in a suit. He's not in his uniform yet. He's walking across the field. He's got two South Carolina Highway Patrolmen uh, at his side. I, I don't understand. I never have understood the need for that. Uh, are we the only state that have Highway Patrolmen that guard their head football coaches? Oh, gosh, no. Other states Watch do as the well. Watch any of the uh, Texas schools. They actually have the Texas Rangers who normally come out and guard, you know, Steve Sarkeesian and Jimbo Fisher. Uh, are they Coastal scared of assassination sends... or something? Are they fearful of assassination? <laughs> I mean, what's and Coastal the deal? actually sends two of the uh, their finest from Coastal University, the uh, 
uh, campus police that will go, and these guys are strapped. They're, they've got their weapons on, and they follow the head coach to and from the field. They're out there for a purpose, and it's not out there for show. They're out there for a purpose. It's unfortunate, Phil, that that actually is necessary. That may be the greater question. Why is it even necessary? Yeah. Really, and, and who's paying for it? You know, is this the school paying for it? I, I'm assuming the schools pay for it. That's not the taxpayers paying these guys who are probably working off duty, but they're in full uniform, mm-hmm. and and you know, they got the weapon on the hip if if needed. Okay, let's go to the break, and of course, we'll invite you to join us if you're listening to us and watching the ball game, and you want to comment on what's happening in the South Carolina game or what's going to happen tonight in the uh, Clemson game or anything else. We are here at your service. On this eve of New Year's Eve, our final show of 2022. Hard to believe we've come to the end of another year. 888-898-2525 is the number. We'll be back in a moment. Hope, life, and the great Palmetto. What do these things have in common? Scholarship dollars. The SE Hope, the Life, and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. $7 billion. Impressive. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games set from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Okay, we're back on Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. We are all over the place. We're at the Orange Bowl. We're at the Gator Bowl. We're at the Bergie Bowl. We're at the Dave & Buster Studios in Columbia. Be sure to eat, drink, play, and catch the big games all season long at Dave & Buster's Greenville, Columbia, Myrtle Beach. And our lottery lucky number to reach us on Sports Talk, 888-898-2525 since 2002. More than $829 million in lottery proceeds have been used to fund lottery tuition assistance for students attending technical colleges in South Carolina. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. All right, USC with the football. The Gamecocks are leading 31-24 over Notre Dame, 136 to go 
in the third quarter. An explosive first half, 21-7. The Gamecocks led after the end of a quarter. Notre Dame outscored the Gamecocks 10-3 in the second quarter to make it a 24-17 halftime score. And then both teams have a touchdown in the third quarter, 31-24. Let me update a couple of other uh, things. We told you Clemson won in basketball, 78-64. That final score. In other uh, college bowl action right now, well, it's just gone final. Another win for the ACC as Pittsburgh beat UCLA 37-35. Another loss for the ACC as Maryland beat NC State 16-12. South that was Carolina, a terrible football game, too. Was that a way. terrible I don't football know if you game? Did you see any of it? No, no, it was busy. <laughs> it was a bad football game. Yeah, sixteen to twelve indicates a pretty bad football game, but uh, you that know, states down on his quarterbacks. States down on quarterbacks, and uh, uh, Tango Vailoa is the quarterback at uh, Maryland, the brother of mm-hmm. the Dolphins' quarterback, who's out this week. By the way, not going to play. Teddy Bridgewater will be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins here on Sunday. If I had planned smartly, if I was a really smart dude and had all kind of uh, expense account money, I would have come in last weekend. Gone to the Miami Green Bay game in 42 degree temperatures, watch the Packers win, and then stay all week, and then stay for the Dolphins game on Sunday. But I didn't think about that. Been fun though. I mean, it really would. It's such a different feel though. You've been to enough NFL games, you know this. But trying to compare an NFL game and the and the crowd and the feel around it versus a college game, it's just an entirely different atmosphere altogether. I'm sitting obviously watching the Carolina game tonight, and the crowd in there is probably more vocal right now than anything the Jaguars get. And they've actually got a pretty good team this year in Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. The thing that um, my first NFL game. It was many years ago. Well, it was a preseason game. I guess I should look at regular season. The first regular season game I went to, I was astonished by how clean the sidelines were. I mean, it was just the players and the coaches and not a bunch of hangers-on. You know, you didn't have recruits. You didn't have donors. You didn't have university presidents and board of trustee members and everybody else. It was just the ball players and the coaches. And, and of course, they only have for a game – they have, what, 52 active, I believe yeah. it is, or is it 48 active? 53. I, I think it's 53, 53 on the active roster. Yeah, so it's a, you look at it and you go, where's all the ball players? Because, you know, for a home game, a college team will have 100-plus players in uniform, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Um, so it's a, it's a big difference there. The other thing that's amazing to me, too, is um, I believe the halftime break for the NFL is like, what, 12 minutes? It's a yeah, very it short halftime. Yeah, I'm like, these guys need – they need a longer break. But they only give them like 12 minutes or so. They move it right along. So here today, by the way, uh, it's going to be um, a warm night. It was 89 degrees at one Ooh. point today as I was riding around the Fort Lauderdale area. It touched 89 degrees. So we're going to have a warm night. Um, we're good on the weather as far as any rain or anything like that. We're good. We're good with that. And right now, uh, we're seeing uh, some of the Clemson players starting to come out of their locker room just in um, shorts and jerseys and things like that, T-shirts, whatever, just starting to do some light loosening up. Just a few players both ways are on the field. Mostly you got trainers out there throwing the football around. and um, But you got some ballers out there, too, as I, as I look now. you see I see a little bit more of the Tennessee guys out there than the Clemson guys. Clemson will be the home team tonight, and so – 
I would imagine the Tigers will wear the all-orange tonight. I would think they'll be an all-orange. We shall see on that. A uh, couple of other things to tell you about. Uh, Chris mentioned the Pittsburgh win over North Carolina in hoops, 76-74. How about Miami beating Notre Dame in hoops, 76-65. And South Carolina State beat St. Augustine, 111-58 in the basketball. I, again, and we'll talk about this, Chris, because we'll have plenty of time to talk about things. I, I I don't get playing uh, league games on, in particular on this afternoon with the bowl games going on and the college football playoff games coming up this weekend. I, I, unless you're just the most diehard college basketball fan, i got to believe it's getting lost in the mix. Uh, we'll pick up on that on the other side of the break. And also Smitty will rejoin us with an update from Jacksonville. We'll tell you it's the Gamecocks continuing to lead. Nope, Notre Dame has just scored to tie it up at 31. We're back on Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome in wherever you happen to be listening to us around the state of South Carolina. Obviously a very busy night in the sports world in South Carolina. The Gamecocks and the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame are tied up at 31 in Jacksonville at the Gator Bowl early in the fourth quarter. We'll get an update from Smitty in just a moment. And I'm here in uh, Miami Gardens for the Orange Bowl, Clemson, and Tennessee going to kick it off here a little bit after 8 o'clock. Going to be a lot of orange in the park here. There's orange here anyway because of the Dolphins. Going to be a lot more orange in the park tonight between Clemson and Tennessee. Pat tells me that the Tigers had announced previously they're going to wear the um, orange pants but the white tops, is that right? That's right. And Tennessee will be doing the opposite. Tennessee will be orange top, white pants. So you'll see a little Mirror image of each other and fighting out who is the real orange. Mm, okay. Uh, do we have Smitty standing by yet for an update? Okay, let me know when Smitty reconnects with us. In the meantime, we'll take a quick phone call. 888 is our number. We go to our, our good buddy. Oh, did we lose Bobby? We did. We did. We lost. Okay. Sorry, we lost Bobby during that break. Okay. We were going to get to Bobby, but we lost Bobby, so that's cool. So South Carolina, uh, Chris... Uh, right there at the end, before we hit the bottom of the hour break, it was a 31-24 game, and then the Irish took advantage of what appeared to be, I guess, just looking at the stats, a poor punt by Kai Kroger, yes. gave Notre Dame a very short field, and they scored quickly. One of the rare times that Kai didn't kick one 70 yards. He only booted it about 30, and it was on the Gamecock side of the 50, and they struck on a 44-yard touchdown pass, I think, on the next play to tie the game. And it's something Smitty touched on – <laughs> excuse me, Phil, to open up the show about chunk plays for the Irish, and they've had a ton of them thus far tonight, and that was just another example in a game where, you know, defense has been somewhat optional tonight uh, with the uh, 600, almost 700 yards of total offense between these two teams. Well, you wonder if uh, Notre Dame in some way is starting to wear down South Carolina here in the second half um, as they gradually have caught up, and now they've evened things up, and now they've got the football with a chance to go ahead, you, you wonder if maybe the Gamecock defense is starting to wear down a little bit? Well, you would think if they were continuing to run the football, that would be the case. 
But Notre Dame only has 115 yards rushing, Phil, and that's, gosh, what, 80 yards off their season average. So this is not a team that uh, normally throws it as much as they have, especially considering that they were missing their starting quarterback. You thought, well, that may hurt them even more. They'll rely more heavily on the run, but that has not been the case. And now they threw a piece of uh, South Carolina's uh, playbook right back at them. The Gamecocks has stopped them, got them off the field, and on fourth down, they run a fake punt, and they get a first down into Gamecock territory. So both of these special teams units are exceptional, and both are playing major roles in this game today. Okay. We'll get an update from Smitty here in just a little bit and get a feel for what is uh, happening there in Jacksonville inside the stadium with the Gamecocks uh, trying to hang in there with Notre Dame and see if they can cap their season with what would be a tremendous win no matter what the status of the Notre Dame football team is we all realize beating Notre Dame is a good thing that looks good on your resume this isn't one of the great Notre Dame teams in their history of course they're rebuilding under Marcus Freeman but it's still Notre Dame and it looks like Chris as I'm talking a moment ago it looks like the Irish gave the Gamecocks a dose of their own medicine on special teams yeah, exactly. I, I was p- pointing out that they threw that uh, fake punt right back at South Carolina and rushed it into uh, Gamecock territory. So, uh, yeah, they, they've taken advantage of their special teams unit, which I think in terms of national rankings there inside the top five as well, they actually lead the country in block punts. Mm-hmm. Gamecocks have avoided that mistake thus far tonight, but a huge play by Notre Dame after the Gamecocks presumably had gotten them off the field on third down. But the, uh, the Irish are still moving, though, in inside Gamecock territory just across the 50 now. Yeah, yeah. When I'm talking about wearing them down, let's take a look at um, let's take a look at total plays. And uh, no, no, the Gamecocks have run more total plays than the Irish to this point, 62 to 56. So, okay, we'll see how the defense holds up here in the fourth quarter as Smitty joins us from Jacksonville to give us a quick update on what he's watching and kind of the mood inside the stadium and if that momentum, Smitty, is definitely swinging the Irish way. Are you feeling that happening? Absolutely, and the Irish just broke through with a big run play. They have been hammering away at that Gamecocks defensive front, and they finally bust a big one. It's exactly what they wanted to do with this game plan, and Marcus Freeman had hoped that all of the the one-yard and two-yard runs in the first three quarters would lead to a big play in the fourth, and it just happened, and Notre Dame has its first lead And I'm just watching the replay with you, and it was a run, 39-yard run right off the right side between the guard and the tackle that looked like. And was there a flag on the play? Chris, you're watching it as well. Was there a flag on the play, or is that, is that touchdown good? No, it's the touchdown is good. I don't know. I've, I've been watching the uh, live game stats, and almost after every play, something pops up underneath the scoreboard yeah. about there's a flag on the play. I don't know if someone's hitting an incorrect key at the Gator Bowl, but no, the uh, touchdown run, as Smitty pointed out, was well blocked, and once he cleared the uh, line of scrimmage, there was not a uh, Garnet jersey within 10 yards of him. Okay, all right, and the uh, extra point here will make it 38-31. So, so, Smitty, you do have a case here where the Gamecocks jumped out to that two-touchdown lead, uh, but the Irish have uh, swung it back around their way, and, and they definitely have the momentum here as we head down the stretch of this one. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Corn South Carolina having advantage uh, an advantage in number of plays, and, and that is because of the damage they did in the first quarter uh, with the tempo. They were way out front in terms of how many plays each team had run, but Notre Dame has been slowly 
catching up and trying to stay on the field, and that's why that fake punt was so important because Notre Dame didn't want to put their tired defense back out there, and they wanted to take advantage of South Carolina's defense playing shorthanded and, frankly, having to be on the field through most of the second quarter and now most of the third quarter. So South Carolina has given back. They've yielded all that momentum they built early on in the first quarter, and, and Notre Dame, frankly, has, has owned it since. They've outscored South Carolina, I believe, 31-10 to 10 since the fourth quarter. Mm. First quarter. What, what did you see on the fake punt? How did South Carolina bite on it? Well, you know, I think they played it straight up, but it, it was a well-executed play, and Notre Dame got some good blocks on the edge. It was kind of a reverse. And, uh, you know, I, I think South Carolina wasn't necessarily – caught flat-footed as much as, as it was a well-executed uh, punt fake. And, of course, mm-hmm. that's a little bit of Pete Limbo's own medicine. Uh, sometimes the other team is looking for Pete Limbo to do something that South Carolina executes it anyway, and, and that may have just happened to them there. And it, and it was perfect timing. Uh, I, I know that call comes from the top uh, with Marcus Freeman. Notre Dame just needed to stay on the field, and they needed to find a way to do that, whether it was going for it on fourth down or coming up with a fake kick. And they opted to go with the fake kick on special teams. It paid off, and it might be, it, it just might be the spark they needed that, that turns the momentum and wins this ball game for them. I'm still convinced South Carolina, just as I said earlier, I'm watching their players. Uh, the lack of depth is catching up for them, but the front 22 for South Carolina, even with all the opt-outs and transfer, I think they're a step quicker than Notre Dame, and they've held up against the run most of the night. But I I do think the lack of depth on defense is is starting to catch up with them. And now it's up to Rattler in the offense. They have to have a drive here. Can't go three and out. Okay, my man. We'll catch you at uh, 7.05. Get back with us then with another update, please. Will do. You guys enjoy it. All right. Thank you. And, Chris, uh, we're looking at a night where Rattler's going to have to throw it over 50 times. Right now yeah. he's thrown it 40 times. Is, is that a good formula for the Gamecocks? Well, if you ask Chuck Reedy, no. <laughs> but I think that was prior to the fact that they lost virtually everybody out of that backfield. They've got to go back and be a little more creative with the run game the way they were in the first half. I think they've put too much on Rattler's shoulders here the third quarter. As a matter of fact, the last three drives for the Gamecocks have all been three and out. Mm-hmm. So they have not been able to take advantage. They got an interception on the first of those three and outs and went backwards. They got a punt went backwards, and then their last possession prior to the uh, touchdown for Notre Dame, they went backwards. Their last three drives has netted minus 14 yards of, of total offense. They're not going to be able to stay in this ball game, especially with Notre Dame, all the momentum now, if they can't do anything on the offensive side of the coin. Yeah, he's only hit one of his last seven passes, so he's 27 of 41. Um, I'm hoping the stat is right. Now, the, the stat broadcaster has – been frozen at 31 for some reason there's somebody there's has a flag asleep. on the play phil yeah there's a flag <laughs> on the play yeah somebody elbow the guy who is handling the stat broadcaster because we need an update uh, on statistics here and is still stuck on 30 maybe he's a gamecock fan he just refuses to put that extra touchdown <laughs> in there at this point but no it is on the board and it's 38 31 notre dame over south carolina uh, anybody remember the over under on this one, what was it? Was was uh, did Vegas? I don't recall the over under. You remember, Pat? Do you remember? Was Vegas was Vegas expecting a game in the upper sixties into the seventies? Uh, not sure. I know Notre Dame was favored by two, but that's the extent of my knowledge on that. 
Yeah, how about you, and Chris? And no, Phil, the, the answer to that question is 51. Yeah. So Vegas missed this badly. Yeah, man, far, <laughs> far exceeding that. 38-31, Notre Dame leading the Gamecocks. And now they've got the uh, stats up to date. 12 minutes to go, and the Gamecocks are down by a touchdown. Uh, but it's been an exciting game, and no matter what happens here the rest of the way, the uh, Gamecocks have made a good showing for themselves. I know that's – and I'm not, I'm not starting to, um, you know, lay the groundwork here for talking about a loss and how you, how you build on that. By no means am I saying that because the Gamecocks can still win this football game. But the point is – uh, they're making a heck of a showing for themselves. And all of a sudden, uh, Chris, when they go into next season, of course, a lot will depend on what Rattler's going to do. Is he coming back? It's pretty obvious if he comes back, they're going to have uh, a leg up on a lot of the competition at the quarterback uh, spot. But when you think about what they did offensively in their last two regular season games and then the bowl game in terms of the points scored. And I know the defense and the special teams helped out as well, but that's part of it, a complete um, mm-hmm. scoring package. All of a sudden, you look at this team, and they're scoring 30, 40 points per game on a regular basis. I mean, that was the biggest criticism over the last couple of years, their inability to put points on the board. I mean, they were averaging, what, 21, 24 points a ball game, and in the modern era of college football, that's just not going to work. Uh, You see now, and the bowl games are sort of an outlier, Phil, because of Mm -hmm. the amount of players who opt out, especially defensive players who don't show back up. But still, if you can't score 35 points or more a game, I'm not sure you have a chance to compete in college football, and especially in the SEC, even a league that prided itself for three decades on being really, really good defensively. Now it's a league that loves to score. And if they play defense enough, that's, that's good enough. But, yeah, that, I think what they've been able to accomplish the last couple of weeks has to build momentum going into the offseason and then into next year. But, again, it hinges on your quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, you're not very good. And, yeah. guys, guys, real quick, if I may, just feel like it would be a shame of us not to get this out there. Can we talk a little bit about Jordan Birch, defensive lineman turned tight end today? And he has not only looked quick, but he has looked very good on his route. On his routes, uh, he had what looked like – Possibly could have been a touchdown in the end zone, just didn't quite, wasn't able to quite connect on that. Another time he was open, but Rattler went elsewhere. But he has looked outstanding on the offensive side of the ball today, as well as living in the backfield for much of the day. Yeah, yeah he's a tremendous athlete. And, I mean, they were down to um, finding some defensive players who could play at the tight end spot because Atkins was pretty much all that was left. And Atkins has done uh, everything that he can do at that position today. He's had himself a heck of a game. All right, Notre Dame has the football, a seven-point lead in a relatively short field after another uh, Gamecock punt. They'll be starting about their own 40-yard line. One note from Clemson as we are uh, about an hour and 20 minutes away from kickoff here at the Orange Bowl. Tigers have formally announced that Sheridan Jones is out of the lineup tonight at corner. So that hip flexor, you know, Dabo Sweeney said yesterday did not look promising for him. He had missed practice earlier in the week. And now he's going to miss uh, tonight's game. So that would mean you would have, um, of course, Nate Wiggins at one corner. And you could have Toriano Pride or you could have Andrew McCuba uh, playing at corner, sliding over from safety, which would have R.J. Mickens and uh, Jalen Phillips handling the safety spots with Sherrod Koval uh, 
kind of backing up there. So that's probably what the Tigers are looking at with Jones out. We're going to step out for a moment, hit our break here on Sports Talk, and we'll be back with more. Our phone lines, if you want to join us, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. We'll be back after this break right here on Sports Talk. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. In Columbia, South Carolina, game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue, we're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. The Gamecocks issue stopping a running quarterback uh, rearing its ugly head here in the fourth quarter as Buckner's starting to have some success running the football, getting out on the edge, uh, keeping it on a quarterback draw, and having some success as Notre Dame tries to nurse this lead against the Gamecocks 38-31 as they roll inside 11 minutes to play there at the uh, Gator Bowl. Chris, let's turn our attention to here tonight at the Orange Bowl, Clemson and Tennessee. Going to have a, a packed house, 65,000-plus here at this beautifully, a beautiful stadium that was redone a few years ago. And um, gorgeous place to have a, a bowl game, gorgeous place to host a national championship, though it's a little bit undersized compared to some of the other stadiums. But do you foresee – here's the question. Tennessee, of course, they don't have their starting quarterback. They're missing two of their receivers. I get that, but still – they have an extremely potentially potent offense. 
that runs at high octane. Clemson has a, a tremendous defense, but again, as we mentioned, they're shuffling some things in the secondary. Joe Milton does have a great arm, uh, and he does have good receivers despite the ones that are not here. Uh, this is a Tennessee team that's been averaging 47 points per game. Uh, you just wonder if this is going to have to, if Clemson's going to have to score a bunch of points with Cabe Klubnick now at quarterback, the freshman. Uh, is Clemson's offense going to have to really step it up and put 35, 40 points on the game, uh, put uh, 35, 40 points on the board in this game to keep up with Tennessee, or is Clemson's defense going to be able to play well enough to kind of keep this offense in check? That's a great question, Phil, but I'm, I'm not sure Tennessee's got the offensive weapons. I think, you know, here's another team that has been hammered by the uh, transfer portal and the opt-outs and everything else because they've lost not only their starting quarterback and a guy who was a Heisman Trophy candidate and Hinton Hooker, then you also lost Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, two of the top wide receivers in the Blitnikoff winner alone in uh, Jalen Hyatt off that, that team. So I just don't know how – I think the question is, can Tennessee put up enough points to keep up with Clemson? And on the flip side, how how long has Clemson, uh, excuse me, uh, Tennessee now been able to study Kate Klubnick versus what North Carolina clearly, as Mac Brown said in the postgame show, and I still can't believe he said this, but in the postgame that they weren't prepared at all for Kate Klubnick. They anticipated D.J. Uyangale to play that entire ball game. Well, now they've got a month's worth of prep work that Tennessee has been able to done on Klubnick, and the question is, what will that mean for them, and and what does that mean for Clemson? And as I'm saying this, I'm watching South Carolina tie the football game, Phil, on a 100-yard interception return for a touchdown. How about that? You want to talk well, about momentum swings back the other way at the Gator Bowl? It just know, happened. I'm watching it, too. Now, I'm, I'm going back and <laughs> forth. I'm looking at what's on the field in front of me, and then I'm glancing up at the television, and I'm seeing Notre Dame run through the Gamecock defense like a sieve and thinking, okay, they're about to knock this thing in and, and really put this thing uh, on ice. And then – and of course, there is a flag on the play on the on the <laughs> stat broadcaster. This is funny as heck. And they, they, uh, yeah, they, there's a flag on the play. Yeah, they must be having a malfunction. But take us through that play because I looked up as you mentioned it, and I saw somebody in the garnet taking the football back the uh, the length of the field. Well, Buckner rolled in and actually scrambled around, had some time, threw it directly. And I guess that old saying about throwing late over the middle, mm. nothing happens well. And Fortune stepped right in front of it at the goal line, maybe a yard deep in the end zone, and got past the first wave of offensive guys trying to turn and play defense. And after he got past them, nobody was running him down the sidelines. And now I'll go back to that stat I brought up earlier. If, you, if you're pretty good nearly 100% when you score on special teams and on defense, how about if you get two pick sixes in a game and mm. score on special teams? There's no way USC can lose this game, right? And it's still a tie ball game with 7.40 left to go. It does, it does bail out your offense. And you know what this sets up? You know what this sets up? The corn prophecy delivering for the second straight game because I foresee the Gamecocks getting a stop here. All right, getting the ball back, putting together a drive, and Jeter kicking the field goal <laughs> to win. Now, the score is going to be a little more than I thought. Right. They'll win 41-38 versus, what did I say last night, 27-24, something like that. But the point is, Jeter is going to have a chance to deliver here, I think. going to have a chance to deliver here again. Now, of course, when he won the Clemson game, that field goal came a little bit earlier. It wasn't a last-second kick or anything like that. Um, 
But I'm thinking we might be looking at that here if the South Carolina defense can somehow come up with a stop. Now the question is, when the Irish come out with the football in this next possession, do they just go right back and try and run the football like they just did? Probably will, right, considering the last time they threw it, it went back against them 100 yards. <laughs> well, you have to look at it from just logical standpoint. And if I'm the Notre Dame coaching staff and, and Tommy Reese, who's their offense coordinator, who I think crafted a pretty good game plan, but if he calls a pass play on the next series, mm. I'm firing him on the spot. And I'm calling the rest of the game from the sidelines because there's no reason now that Notre Dame has got that run game going. They're over 200 yards rushing now. Just run the football. In worst-case scenario, if you're Notre Dame, much like your prophecy for USC, if you're Notre Dame, maybe you tick off six and a half minutes, you kick a field goal, Mm -hmm. and then put your defense out there and hope they can hold up in the final two minutes of the game and win it 41-38. Some turn of events there because the Gamecocks were, were on the ledge. They were on the ledge, and, and somebody had uh, a hand on the shoulder, and um, and then that hand w- w- was removed, and they backed <laughs> off the ledge there because that that pick six, 100 yards, that's, that's pretty incredible. And the Gamecocks, over the last half of the season, they have been phenomenal at creating turnovers. You know, they were very poor on that early in the year. Last half of the season, they've been very good at that, especially with interceptions and um, – that's a credit to what Clayton White and the, the defensive coaching staff have been able to do uh, with that group, a group that is missing two corners who will be probably first-round picks this spring in the NFL, playing without both of those guys who opted out. And, uh, and coming up with plays in the secondary, that's a, that's a credit to those young guys stepping up and making the plays. Okay, top of the hour. South Carolina and Notre Dame tied at 38. And Clemson, Tennessee, a little over an hour away from getting it on here at the Orange Bowl. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, things are really tense at the Gator Bowl. 38-38, Notre Dame Gamecocks locked up. Notre Dame is moving the football on the ground, as you might expect, after having that pick six go back 100 yards. Uh, guys, I ran into Tim Bray a moment ago getting a soda during the break. Of course, Tim, great, great SID at Clemson for over 30 years, but an alum of Notre Dame, and he's an Irishologist, I guess you would say, keeps up with everything still Notre Dame. He tells me it's the second time in Notre Dame history that a fighting Irish quarterback has thrown two pick sixes in a single You're game. Kidding. You're the kidding. other. The other was Everett Golson, the Myrtle wow. Beach native. Yes, on sir. top of that, get this, on top of that, the same day that Everett Golson threw two pick sixes, Clemson quarterback Cole Stout threw two pick sixes. And <laughs> if I remember correctly, Tim was giving me a bunch of stuff. If I remember correctly, it's the first time in college football history that two starting quarterbacks threw two pick sixes on the same day. <laughs> college football history. So, something like that. But only, anyway. 
only Tim Beret would be able to not only know that, but also recall it from memory because I'm sure that's not written down anywhere. No, no, no. He's got all this stuff, you know. He needs to uh, – his brain needs to be one day um, frozen and, and, and preserved for, uh, for all time for, for future uh, information when we have uh, questions like this. Uh, let's go live to the Gator Bowl. Smitty is there. He's watching South Carolina's defense trying to hang on here and see if they can do something to stop this drive by Notre Dame to give their offense a chance. Notre Dame trying to eat up yards and time. Smitty, what's the latest from where you view it? Yeah, uh, Notre Dame is taking over with their physicality, and honestly, th- those pick sixes uh, are a double-edged sword for South Carolina because it's great for them. They needed the points. They needed to turn the momentum and the emotion, but it put that tired defense right back on the field. O'Donnell Fortune comes up with the big play, 100-yard uh, return for a touchdown, and guess what? He makes the first tackle on the next drive, too, uh, because everybody is worn out. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Notre Dame is up to 541 total yards, uh, 263 yards rushing. They've just been leaning on South Carolina ever since the first quarter. Um, I'll also say, to comment on a, a fascinating stat from uh, about Everett Golson, the former Myrtle Beach Seahawk, and uh, it's a shame that Tim Beret got married this year. He is going to rob so many tender dates of his mind on those uh, <laughs> on that dating app. I, he would have just dazzling the women all over the state, and they are just robbed of it. It's a sad day for them. I'll be sure to share your sentiments with him, okay? So um, he can he can get, he can give himself another thought before walking down the aisle. Because for that very reason, why should he rob all those other women of that of that knowledge? You know, I'm sure Ann would appreciate that. Okay, so um, we got a timeout. I think uh, there in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. give us the give us the setup one more time before you uh, leave us on this report. Yeah, so so Notre Dame is driving, and another brilliant drive, uh, a well called drive because they needed to uh, they needed to come back and play physical. They had a tired game cut defense on the ropes, and they stuck with the run game. And now they have driven the ball all the way into South Carolina's red zone with just two thirteen left to play. And it's one of those situations you often see at the end of games. If Freeman sticks with the run, how, how does Shane Beamer now utilize his timeouts, try to give himself the chance to get back on the field? Is Freeman confident enough in the kicking game that he melts this thing all the way down and just lets his kicker decide the outcome of this one? You said that South Carolina would win by a field goal. Corn, your, your prophecy, you, you may have had some chili before bed. You might have had it flipped. It's huh. looking more and more <laughs> like Notre Dame is yeah. going to get the last second field goal unless South Carolina can really bow its neck. I don't know whether they'll strip the ball or whether the time plays enough in their favor that they feel like they can stand up to the run, force a kick, and then have, have Rattler have enough time on the other end to try to drive down and give Mitch Jeter a chance to tie it back up. All right, we'll let you go settle back in for the final minutes and give us a quick call when it's all over before you head downstairs, and we'll look for that in just a few minutes. Will do, guys. Coming. It's been a great game. Be sure to check out the story at sportstalksc.com. For sure. It really has, Phil. I mean, it's been a fantastic game. If you didn't care who won, it's been yeah. a terrific game to watch. And now you start getting into that zone. Smitty talked about how do you burn your timeouts to uh, perhaps 
uh, save enough time offensively. At what point do you get if you're the Gamecocks because Notre Dame's got it at the 18, do you try and let them score so your offense, which has clearly been a lot better than your defense today, gets another sh shot at it with, uh, say, a minute and a half left and three timeouts as opposed to no timeouts and maybe only 30 seconds left to go? Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, you know, I think you probably play for the field goal if you're the Gamecock defense and then hope that you can go down and kick a field goal or, and get a touchdown. You go ahead and start using those timeouts to give yourself as much time as possible uh, as the clock has run under uh, two minutes here. And, um, I mean, I think you you go ahead and hope for the best that you can hold them to a field goal and then you can do something offensively. While this is going on, <laughs> I feel bad for Lamont Paris and the Gamecock basketball team. They just tipped off at home against Eastern Michigan. Um, if there's anybody there, do you think they're actually watching the game or looking at their television or their, 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 their screens on their phones or whatever? Or maybe they've taken one of the sides of the big scoreboard and they've got the football game you know, being played <laughs> up on one side instead of what's going on on the, on the hardwood. Uh, the Gamecocks out to a 10-9 lead on Eastern Michigan. Ordinarily, you'd say, you know, boring game. But, no, this no, this game features uh, Imani Bates from Eastern Michigan, one of the country's best players, against Gigi Jackson, one of the country's best freshmen. Jackson's off to a two-for-two two start from the floor. He's got four of the Gamecocks' ten points for Eastern Michigan. Bates is one for three, got a couple of free throws. He has four points, so – that would be reason enough on an ordinary night to tune in and watch that ball game. But right now, all Gamecocks, you know, are watching what's happening in Jacksonville as this thing gets uh, gets really tight. And um, we'll see what happens. 38-38 and uh, Notre Dame, you know, trying to Has just uh, scored. perhaps, perhaps uh, they just scored. All right, tell us what they did because I haven't seen it. That old sneak the uh, tight end out of the uh... – you know, backfield roll to the right and throw back to the left, and he walked into the end zone from 16 yards out. So uh, Notre Dame's uh, extra point away from going back up seven. That's the bad news if you're a Carolina fan. The good news is they scored relatively quickly, mm -hmm. and now you've got a minute and 30-some-odd seconds left, and you only had to burn, I think, two timeouts in that drive. So I believe USC may have one remaining, if I'm not mistaken. By the way, quickly before we get back to this, Phil, one thing we should mention as well since we were touching on basketball, Pete Yannity uh, tweeted out a bit earlier this afternoon that uh, uh, WSPA up in Spartanburg has learned that Wofford head coach Jay McCauley has resigned after well, three-plus seasons. Well, Wofford actually put out a release on that too. That's mm -hmm. been confirmed. Yep. So he has resigned, and, and you know we heard that the uh, players up that way when Coastal took them on, that was the first game from for interim head coach Dwight Perry, who probably will obviously finish out the season and may get the job full-time. But uh, the players evidently did not get along very well with uh, Jay McCauley, and maybe that's why this has all come to a head here right before basically Southern Conference play begins for them. Yeah, okay. So back to the football, 45-38. If you're South Carolina, if you are – Shane Beamer, um, you're down seven. Your defense is gassed. The answer to your question is yes. I know yeah. where you're headed go, with this. It's go yes. for the two if you can. Absolutely, if you, if you do. You score, go for the two. Your defense is so exhausted. You're not going to stop Notre Dame again, especially you know first and ten inside the 25. If it goes to overtime, you win. If you get into the end zone, you try and win it right now. Yeah, yeah. They got to get in the end zone first, though. Right, exactly. So we'll see what happens. 45-38. Uh, Notre Dame has taken the lead over uh, South Carolina, uh, Clemson, and Tennessee uh, going through some pregame warm-ups. Uh, Clemson, 
Clemson players are on the field. I think most of the Tennessee players who are out there kind of mingling around, they've left. And uh, Pat was right. The Tigers are in their orange pants and their their white uniforms, which is typically, in a lot of ways, uh, their road uniform, isn't it, Pat? The, the white tops and the orange pants a lot of times, unless they go white on white on some of their road games. I think they wear this combination, even though they're the home team tonight, I think they wear this combination a pretty good um, uh, amount on the road. Tennessee's got uh, their version of orange, their orange um, tops and white pants with their white helmets. And uh, Clemson will have, of course, their orange helmets. So a lot of different versions of orange uh, flashing around out there on the field <laughs> as some Tennessee players come running back onto the field to continue with some pregame warm-ups. Uh, all right, so the uh, USC basketball team, as I mentioned, underway in their game. Clemson beat NC State 78-64 to go to 3-0 and in ACC play. And, uh, oh, what about uh, we got to touch on Coastal, Chris. Last night on your call, uh, the Shawnaclears beat, were they the best team uh, going into conference play, Louisiana, or one of the favorites? But that's a heck of a home win for Coastal Carolina to knock off Louisiana. Huge win and a terrific ball game, much like this football game that we're watching here this afternoon. I went back and forth. I, I can't remember in a long time, Phil, a game where you had that big a swing in momentum. Coastal actually led by as much as 12 in the first half, trailed by as many as 10 in the second half, and came back to win. It was just a terrific ball game. They hit a free throw with five seconds left to go to put them out in front by a point. So Louisiana, and Louisiana season ago almost to the date on New Year's Day last year, won over Coastal in Conway on the last second shot. This time, Jimmy Nichols, who's a Conway native and transferred back into the program, he blocked a potential game-winning three-pointer, and basically his time expired. So just a, a big-time win for Coastal last night. They made their free throws. They uh, held <clears> – <throat> excuse me, they held Louisiana down, a team that was shooting 40% from three-point range held them to 5 of 22 yesterday. So a, a big-time win for them nonetheless. And, and to your point, they were the preseason pick to win mm -hmm. the Sun Belt. They don't have the best overall record. They came in at 10 and 2, but uh, still a very, very good team. And that's a good win for them. Now you get to that fun part about conference play. You come off, you know, South Carolina just beat, say, Kentucky. How do you handle it two days later when uh, Mississippi State rolls into town? For instance, well, Coastal gets Georgia Southern tomorrow afternoon. How do they respond after a really, really tough, hard-fought, emotional-type win? Do they have it in the tank 36 hours later to go back and win another one? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and we had an interesting start to SEC play, as you mentioned, with Kentucky going down uh, to Missouri and uh, LSU beating Arkansas. Those were a couple of uh, surprising developments, I would say, to open up play in, in the SEC. South Carolina will get an SEC play next week, but we're off and running now with the uh, the SEC guys getting at it, getting after it in hoops. And no doubt, and I think, it, you know, in terms of ACC and SEC play, there are a lot of really interesting storylines. First, as we touched on earlier about North Carolina, off to a really, really bad start for them in conference play. And Clemson, off to a 3-0 and start in league play. I don't know that anybody saw that coming. And Brad Brownell's got a team that can contend. I don't think they're good enough to win the ACC, Phil, but they are certainly good enough to contend for, say, fifth or sixth in the league and get one of those uh, first-round what tournament buys uh, that, that are so critically important at that time of year. I think this is a Clemson team. If they play like they are right now and getting contributions from Hunter Tyson and uh, obviously uh, P.J. Hall and some of the guys across the board that they're getting minutes off the bench as well, I think they can be an NCAA tournament team. I really do. 
Yeah, that's been the nature of Brad Brownell's teams. You know, they kind of when they you least expect it, they find a way to get themselves into the NCAA tournament, and uh, they don't last very long when they get there. They did have that one run to the Sweet 16, but when you kind of least expect it, they uh, they, they have put together a nice season and uh, find themselves in postseason play. And look, it's it's uh, it's not even January, and uh, they've won three of their 20 ACC games. I think Brad Brownell would take that uh, – you know, every day and twice on Sunday. Um, the fact that uh, the three opponents that they faced so far, you know, NC State's not having a great year, and they did win at Georgia Tech. And mm-hmm. then um, they had their opening win was against two. Was it Virginia Tech? Yes. They beat in their opener. So now Virginia Tech, that's uh, – I'm looking, any ACC win's a good win. I don't want to take away from any of them. Any ACC win is a good win. Uh, don't get me wrong, but um, I guess Virginia Tech was probably the best. You got to look at what's coming up. I mean, Miami looks like they're they're putting together a really good team this year. Pittsburgh looks uh, surprisingly good. Uh, you know, Duke will be Duke, uh, even though North Carolina's struggling right now. You know, they're going to find it at some point and and be tough. Actually, it's so. Wake Forest, Phil, not Virginia Tech. I'm sorry, that happened so long ago. It was back yeah. on December second, if yeah. you'll remember. But it was Wake Forest, not Virginia Tech. Yeah, yeah, and Wake Forest is pretty – that was a good win. Wake Forest has got a pretty mm-hmm. good team. So, um, the the road is still tough, and the ACC is a tough road ahead for them as they, as they play out this schedule. Um, so, we'll see. We'll see if they've got the – if they can stay healthy, keep P.J. Hall together, one piece, continue to get great play from Hunter Tyson like he's gotten. Chase Hunter's been outstanding for him. Uh, Galloway's given him some good outside shooting. They've got some good parts yeah, they do. That are playing well together right now. I like his team. I really do. And and Brad Brownell has uh, sort of cut his teeth on playing really, really good defense. This is a Clemson team that's scoring as well now. And they put up 80 points, you know, in in that win over Towson and Richmond. They scored 80 points. They they scored nearly 80 points in the win at Georgia Tech. And they got uh, a good win again today against NC State. But you're right. Uh, you start getting into the meat of your schedule, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, Louisville, and Duke, your next four. You know, I would think if you're Brad Brownell and you don't want to look at that far down the road, but if you split those games, two and two coming out of that, set up you're at five and two, almost midway through conference play, can't be disappointed at all. All right, checking on the Gamecock football game uh, as we're talking uh, some hoops here, but keeping an eye on the football game as is everybody else. Um, the Gamecocks are getting down to their last two plays and we're about to have an explosion by Shane Beamer on the sideline. He had one meltdown in the first half, right? Where he got really upset about yes. a blind uh, what was called a blindside block and he drew a flag himself cost the Gamecocks a uh, great field position or good field position right before the end of the half. And now uh, going to have an illegal grounding call against Rattler that's going to cost him some field position and loss of down. So they've really got their backs to the wall now, Chris. It's, uh, it's getting tight for them. It is, and Notre Dame has ramped up the uh, pressure just a little bit and got after Spencer Rattler, forced him out of the pocket, and now they're facing third and 21. And if you're Notre Dame, the, the good news is for your defense, you know exactly what Carolina has to do. They can't get into field goal range and tie the game. They've got to score a touchdown. So you just make sure that nothing gets behind you. And this is why you brought Spencer Rattler in, though. And the guy's had a really good game today, 29 of 43, 235 yards and two scores. But this is why you brought him from Oklahoma, 
to have an opportunity to win a game like this and make a play on third and, what is it, 21 yards to go, have him make a play against a team like Notre Dame to potentially win a bowl game. This is why he's, he's in Columbia, and we'll see if he can come through. Guys, yep. adding to that, that's the second really costly penalty on this drive by the Gamecocks, and not just from a yardage standpoint, but a time standpoint. On the kickoff, they received their second block-in-the-back penalty of the mm. day. That put, took them from about the 33-yard line back to their own 14. It then took them 42 seconds to get back to where they would have been without the penalty. And now right here, they had to burn their second timeout. Remember, with an intentional grounding in college, you have the choice of either a 10-second runoff or using a timeout. Shane Beamer chose to use a timeout there, so now the Gamecocks are down to just one timeout and almost all the way back to midfield. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say with the one timeout, <clears throat> with the one timeout, at least they could use the entire field, throw something over the middle, maybe uh, leave yourself with fourth and manageable. But as I look up, I see a, a play where um, well, another flag has come in, and I don't know what's happened. Uh, Chris, fill me Personal in. What foul happened? On that it looks play? like against against Juju McDowell after the uh, Spencer Rattler was, again, harassed and had to throw it away, and he got tackled. And afterwards, it looked like one of the Notre Dame players may have fallen on top of him. And so Juju took offense to that and uh, shoved the Notre Dame guy. And any time you do that, you, the second guy always gets caught. Mm -hmm. And that is also uh, an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that's going to back them up inside their own territory, facing fourth down and, gosh, almost uh, – Fourth and forever. Amelia Island for yeah. them to get the first down. To fourth keep the and 36. Alive. It's fourth and 36. I also saw where they had a penalty. You know, McDowell changed his jersey number to zero after Bell left. And so, apparently, he and Debo Williams ended up on the field at the same time. They both wear zero. And so, they drew a penalty for having, I don't know the wording for it, um, the same number on the field, yeah, two I'm, numbers, I'm the sure same I've number on the field happen. twice or at the same two. Whatever the wording is, they drew a penalty for that. And I'm sure McDowell probably forgot that he was wearing zero, you know. He was probably used to – what was he wearing before? Was it 22? I think I that's think. right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, anyway, the uh, fourth and long is um, going to be batted around and going to fall incomplete. And that will do it. Notre Dame's going to win, but a heck of a ball game. Let's go to the break, and we'll come back and, uh, and, um, and, and wrap that up and get a quick call in from Smitty before he goes downstairs. So Notre Dame's going to win it over the Gamecocks, 45-38 at the Gator Bowl. Meantime, here at the Orange Bowl, pregame warm-ups continue. Both teams with their guys on the field now, and Clemson's going through their traditional uh, – Pre-game arm-in-arm session walking back towards their uh, end zone and towards their fans. Back in a moment. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. 
But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR. Of course, hunting is very popular across the state of South Carolina, Major Downer. What things should our hunters be thinking about before they get out in the fields? It seems like every other show we're talking about hunting safety of some sort. Whether it's turkey season or deer season, hunters always need to be aware of the target. Make sure before you pull that trigger that you know what you're looking at. Whether it's a turkey during turkey season or a deer during deer season, you know your identifying features of your game. You know what's beyond that target in case you miss. Learn more about the great outdoors in South Carolina with Major Billy Downer on SC Wild here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax, win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. You were always more than my mom. You were my role model, my best friend, and biggest supporter. You filled my days with unconditional love. And you also prepared for the day when you couldn't be here. Because of the woman you were back then, I'm able to be the woman I am now. Your planning made this moment possible. Set your family up for life. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance. Your friends for life. Life insurance isn't for you. It's for those you love the most. For a complete insurance review, call Buddy Bridges in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. Serving Lawrence, Clinton, and the shores of Lake Greenwood. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Not licensed to do business in all 50 states. All right, let's go right to the gate of bowling, Jacksonville. Smitty, wrap it up for us. Uh, uh, yeah, obviously South Carolina had some trouble against the run late, and uh, when they had to load up against the run, Notre Dame uh, was able to, to find Evans, their tight end, who slipped uh, slipped out because South Carolina was just dedicating its attention and personnel to the run game, and that's what happens. You, you've got to play one-handed when you can't stop the run straight up. And, of course, yeah, the ending is is probably going to be remembered by a lot of Gamecock fans for uh, just just a lot of, of penalties, and uh, they always get the second guy. Uh, Juju McDowell was very upset that Justin Edenola was was not getting off his quarterback Spencer Rattler, and the officials came in, caught Juju, uh, and didn't penalize Notre Dame. Spencer Rattler's had a, t- a couple of tough. Uh, couple of tough intentional grounding calls go against him this season, too. So I'm sure a lot of Gamecock fans will have plenty to say about that. But in the end, a really, really, really good season. Not a great end to it. Not a great end to the season in the fourth quarter. But really good season and something to build on right. for Shane Beamer and Thank company. You, we'll let you run downstairs. We're back in a moment.
way the uh, focus now shifts on Clemson and Tennessee coming up in a few minutes here in um, Miami Gardens, Florida, between Fort Lauderdale and Miami. It's the Orange Bowl between the Tigers and uh, Tennessee, and uh, we'll turn our attention to that in just uh, a few more minutes after we put the wraps on talking about this South Carolina loss to uh, Notre Dame, 45-38. And we'll open up the phone lines for those of you who've been watching the Gamecocks and you're with us now and you want to share some thoughts on that ball game, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. Uh, I'm seeing the Clemson team uh, in its entirety now jog off the field, heading toward its uh, locker room. The uh, Tennessee team still going through some um, – some final warm-ups, though I think that's the Clemson team. They're wearing uh, white tops, orange bottoms. The other team's wearing orange tops and white bottoms. So I'm going to be – I guess the T on one helmet and the paw on the other will be a defining um, uh, piece of uh, article, a piece of clothing for me to be able to uh, to identify. But anyway, two distinctly different shades of orange between the Tigers and uh, Tennessee. The thing that amazes me, too, before we get back to the Gamecocks, Chris and Pat – in watching the Clemson team, all of the analysts and assistant coaches who wear the orange tops for Clemson, the the number of people in the organization oh, yeah. who serve as analysts and or assistant coaches that Dabo Sweeney has put together, when they run out on the field and, and they're all wearing khaki pants and orange tops, whether they're shirts or they're uh, pullovers or whatever, it's enormous. Mm-hmm. And and uh, they all have a role, and I've been back, so, you know, backstage, so to speak, or in the stadiums, behind the scenes, and on the road. I've covered the you know Clemson on the road a good bit, and they have an area where they have all these computers set up, and I guess it's where these guys go either you know prior to, during, or after the game to put in their data and their information, and share it with the the coaches who are actually making the calls, and they'll have these computers with them, these laptops with them on the sideline, but it's pretty interesting if you get a chance to see it. Uh, like I'm looking up at the screen right now, and there are, the TV's a, a good 30 seconds behind the live action where they've cut away. You can see this horde of, of uh, people in orange uh, running off the field with the orange tops. They're all analysts and, and assistant coaches. But back to uh, South Carolina re- and Notre Dame as the Gamecocks fall 45-38. Give you a few final numbers here. We can chew on these numbers for a few minutes. 558 total yards for Notre Dame to 352 for the Gamecocks. Notre Dame with 294 passing and 264 rushing. The rushing you could expect, the passing you could not. You could not see going into this game that Notre Dame would pass for 300 yards. The Gamecocks only ran for 65. They really didn't commit to the run in this game. They were flagged eight times for 68 yards. Notre Dame, here's another big stat, was 11 of 19 on third down, one for one on fourth down, so 12 out of 20 in moving the chains and keeping that Gamecock defense on the field. Time of possession, 36-19 for the Irish, 23-21 for the Gamecocks. Now, some of that was, you know, some of that's because of the, the, uh, the two pick sixes kept the Gamecock defense on the field longer. I get that. Uh, three turnovers to two. Notre Dame had three. The Gamecocks had two. Um, and individually, a Rattler, 29-46, 246, two touches and a pick, a 118 rating. Uh, McDowell had six carries for 28, 
See, Rattler was the leading rusher for the Gamecocks in terms of attempts, 7 for 27. Obviously, that wasn't planned. Uh, Leggett had seven catches for 78 yards, but I don't think he had a catch. I remember going over the stats at halftime. I think he had seven catches for 78 yards. I don't think he had a catch in the second half. Uh, They didn't do anything in the second half offensively, Phil. Yeah. Five catches for Atkins for 78 yards. Notre Dame, Buckner was 18 of 33, 274, three touchdowns, three picks. He had three interceptions. Uh, Estime had 14 carries for 95. Diggs had 13 for 89. Buckner had 12 for 61. They did pretty much what they wanted to on the ground. And, uh, yeah, I want to go back and um, you, you bring up an interesting question. In the second half, yeah, the Gamecocks had 100 yards in the second half, Chris. Yeah. 100 yards to 355 for Notre Dame. Well, and look at the fourth quarter numbers in particular, and this is where Notre Dame took over possession of the game. They, they only outscored USC by seven. That's all they had to in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. But 205 yards to 32. Yeah. And time of possession in the fourth quarter of 15 minutes, Notre Dame held it almost 12. Yeah. And so yeah. they just wore USC down, rushed it for 149 uh, yards of rushing in the fourth quarter. Gamecocks had just 32 yards of offense in the uh, fourth quarter. And, gosh, just three first downs. I mean, they just couldn't stay on the field, and that kept running that very tired defense back out there. And I thought Smitty brought up a great point about Fortune's interception. Huge play in the ball game. But then he had to go right back out there with his teammates mm-hmm. and try and slow them down again. And just sooner or later, the, uh, the dam was going to burst, and that's exactly what it did in the second half. Give Notre Dame a lot of credit. Tommy Reese and that offensive staff went back and said, what do we do well mm-hmm. when we run the football? And they went back and made sure in the second half they were going to run the football. And the Gamecocks, for whatever reason, I thought went away from what was going extremely well for them in the first half. And in the second half, they had way too many three and outs. And I think some of that credited to Notre Dame. And I'm thinking not to use this as an excuse because Notre Dame had the same problem. But I think you really saw the absence of a significant running back for USC and Marshawn Lloyd with him transferring out. They could have really used him tonight against Notre Dame, especially in that second half, to try and convert some first downs to keep that offense on the field. Absolutely. You don't think you miss a guy like Marshawn Lloyd? You don't think eventually – the guys did a good job, and uh, well, I guess in the first half, not so much in the second half. You don't think eventually they missed um, – you know, Josh Van was hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jaheim Bell, you know, in this loosey-goosey defensive game, Jaheim Bell could have made all kind of plays. Had Van been healthy, he could have made all kind of plays for them. I think Lloyd might have had some success running the football had he been there. They, they might have been a little more committed to the run. You know, Rattler had the great uh, start through the air. At one point, he was 14 of 17, um, was throwing it really well. But down the stretch, at one point, he was 26 of 34, and he only connected on three of his last 13 attempts. So he finished How about that? 29 of 47 through the air after that great start. It, uh, it, it grew cold. And, you know, I was, again, glancing back and forth up at the screen so I didn't see everything. Um, I don't know if there were drops. I, I saw a couple of poor passes, you know, passes down at the feet and things like that. I don't mm-hmm. know. Could you tell? Was it, was it just bad throws? Did he have some drops involved? What was the, what was the issue there with the incompletions? 
I don't remember a significant drops. You remember on the opening drive that uh, Carolina had, they had two big drops. Uh, Leggett dropped, if, if memory serves, the opening pass of the ball game. And you're thinking that's not the way you want to start a bowl game. But they settled in. And actually, it's Juice Wells that dropped the first one, and then Leggett dropped a pass in that drive. But I, mostly, from what I recall, the fourth quarter, it was Notre Dame doing a really, really good job of getting after Rattler, forcing him out of the pocket and making him throw against his body, against pressure, under-throwing passes. I don't think many uh, of his receivers had opportunities to make plays for him, much less have an opportunity to make a play and drop the football. Okay. Well, that's the story on uh, the Gamecocks losing tonight to uh, Notre Dame to wrap up the season 8-5. and five. And so when you reflect on this season, it's still an improvement over where they were last year by a game. You know, winning nine would have been uh, sensational for this team. Uh, eight wins for this team, for this program where it is. There's nothing to uh, sneeze at. It's a step forward. And you look back at who you beat along the way. You got wins over Clemson. You got wins over Tennessee. You got win over uh, Texas A&M. You got a win over Kentucky. And uh, you, you snapped, you know, long losing streaks to uh, to three of those teams. Tennessee's losing streak to them wasn't that long, but it was, you know, long enough. So you did some really, really good things. Here's the problem with today's world of college football, guys. As we sit here tonight, we don't know, unless something's being said downstairs there right now, we don't know what this football team's going to look like next year. And it all hinges on Spencer Rattler. Mm-hmm. Does he come back or does he does he leave? Was this performance tonight enough to convince him that he's ready to take the next step and the, the scouts were impressed enough to where and this is where you use a bowl game to really help yourself. You know, do the scouts look at this performance and say, yeah, this guy's, this guy's ready to be a second, third-round pick, and is that enough for him? Or does he have to be, in his mind, a first-round pick when he's ready to go? Um, so, you know, what's the future at quarterback for South Carolina? And, um, you know, Will there be any others to hit the transfer portal? Uh, and you really don't even know that until after spring because there's an opportunity to transfer out after spring practice. So we don't know yet what this football team will look like, but you got to feel like that with what Shane Beamer is doing, back-to-back winning seasons, back-to-back bowl games, uh, he's got the momentum going. He's got good recruiting going. Uh, he's done a heck of a job in improving what people on the outside think about the program at South Carolina. He's kind of made it look like a fun place to play, mm-hmm. you know. He's kind of make it, he's made it look very attractive to guys to, uh, to come and play at a place like South Carolina. So I know Gamecock fans are very disappointed the way this one turned out, but you've got to think about the, the greater picture. And the greater picture was, was pretty bright for this season. And, um, you know, if the right people are back next year, there's no reason to think you can't take that next step. And that would be the next step would be in position to win the East in November, to be playing meaningful conference games in November. Not that any conference game is not meaningful, but I'm talking about in terms of the winning the East, playing meaningful games in November and, of course, you know, being able to handle Clemson at home next November. You know, it's interesting too, Phil, as you sort of encapsulize if you're – Carolina fan and capsulized the season they were eight points shy of doing something that had never occurred in the program's history and that was beating four ranked teams in the same season 
I mean, that's that's where this program is right now. And, yeah, they're disappointed, I'm sure, after the loss to Notre Dame, a game they led 21-7 to at one point in time and were in total command of the ball game. And Notre Dame just got better as the game went along. I think the Gamecocks got a little worse. But in terms of the overall aspect of the season, you finish 8-5 and five the way they did, wins over Tennessee and Clemson, and then a loss to Notre Dame in a bowl game. I'm not sure anybody would have signed up for that back in early August when the preseason camp began. And to your point about Spencer Rattler, was today's performance alone against Notre Dame a a depleted defense because of the opt-outs and the like, much like South Carolina? Is is today's performance – if he was on the fence before, after the games against Tennessee and Clemson, I I don't know that today would have convinced him because it was not a a considerably better performance – against a considerably better team than the two he had just capitalized on and turned in during the uh, tail end of the regular season, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you don't feel like he should walk out of this game convinced that it's time to move on? I don't think so, but I'm not in his head, and I wouldn't tell any young man what he should do with his future. But if you were, if you were still thinking if it was 50-50, say, going into today's game, I don't know that today's game alone – should tell you, yes, I'm ready for the NFL if the Tennessee performance and the Clemson performance did not tell you that. Just seeing some tweets coming out of the Beamer press conference, uh, and he said Nick Coleman and Freddie Kitchens were managing the play calling today. So it was um, it was a, a combination effort between Kitchens and Coleman. And I, I thought Coleman, did I not see where he had taken another job? Maybe he is leaving now that the bowl season is over and the season is over. I thought I had read where he had taken a job at, um, I want to say South Florida maybe, on that staff at South Florida or maybe UAB somewhere. But obviously he hadn't left yet if he is leaving because he was there helping to call play. Mm -hmm. So, um, All right. On the other side of uh, things at South Carolina, the good news for the basketball team is at halftime, Gamecocks are leading Eastern Michigan 40-30. to So coming off that win over Western Kentucky, uh, they continue to play good basketball, shot 55% in the opening half. They were were 3 of 10 from three-point range. They were 3 of 4 on free throw attempts. And Jackson, G.G. Jackson, leading the Gamecocks with 10 points and two rebounds. And uh, Michi Johnson, Michi Johnson has seven points for the Gamecocks um, including one three-pointer. Uh, Imani Bates has 13 for Eastern Michigan, 13 points and two rebounds for him. So Gamecocks leading at the break 40-30. to 30. Football team was leading at the break as well, were they not? So they let's were. see if, this, if the second half is kinder to the basketball team than it was to the uh, football team. Tell you what, let's hit a break. When we come back, uh, we've got some uh, Brad Brownell. Got some Brad Brownell from the Tigers' win today over NC State. Uh, we'll bring you a couple of minutes of what he had to say after the Tigers go to 3-0 and in league play with that win today over NC State. Bring you a little bit of that when we come back here on Sports Talk. Hey, Corn. actually, we're, we're going to stay here. We, we, don't have a, we don't have another break left. We're just going straight through to the finish. Well, well how about that? <laughs> so it's, it's, um, it's Sports Talk all the time, nonstop. Is that what you're telling me? Exactly, after dark. Well, you know, normally this would be our uh, golf segments, but uh, George was kind enough to uh, slide aside because of the football tonight, so normally they carry it to the uh, top of the hour. So if George, Brian the third can do it, Phil, mm. you, I, and Pat, the trio can certainly fill in for the third, right? 
that sounds good, yet Georgia is allowing football to play through. It's not something he does often, but he's allowing football to play through. With that being said, Pat, I have um, sent you the audio of Brad Brownell, so keep a watch out for that, and uh, we'll jump into that here momentarily as soon as you give me the cue. That Got some ready calls, to too, if you want to take a few calls. Oh, I didn't realize. Okay. Well, let's hit up real quick. Let's hit up Robert in Columbia then. Robert, welcome into this um, commercial-free edition of this half hour of Sports Talk. Welcome in. How are you? Pretty good. How are you all doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I just want to know if, if I watch the same game as you all. I'm a Notre Dame fan. After the first quarter, I think the game was 100% Notre Dame. And, like, South Carolina had a good game, but, I mean, you take two pick sixes away and a fake field goal, offensively, the Gamecocks didn't look good at all. I mean, would you all say that the Notre Dame quarterback was better today than Spencer Rattler? I, I, I wouldn't be too happy if I was a Gamecock fan. I didn't think Rattler looked good at all. Uh, Chris, I'm going to let you handle that because you watched the whole game. Well, I think in some regards, he's, he's right. It's something we, we just touched on, Robert, about the uh, second half. Uh, Notre Dame obviously dominated on offense. Now, you say take away the pick sixes. You, you can't do that. That's part of the game, and that's why they play defense. But in terms of comparison to the two quarterbacks, yeah, I thought Buckner played extremely well for Notre Dame. And he was as good as Rattler, if not even a little better, because he was able to run the football at key times and score two touchdowns on the ground. I thought he had a terrific game for them. Thank you, sir. Let's go to Andy in Columbia. Andy, welcome into Sports Talk. Happy New Year to you. What's on your mic? Happy New Year to you, fellas. Well, first off, kind of just piggybacking on the last caller, 17 offensive points. You know, that doesn't win you a bowl game. Um, also, just something that um, Pat said earlier about Jordan Birch. Let's not forget, he played running back at Hammond, so he's very well offensively. Uh, minded, and I'm sure his hands and his routes are pretty well from being a running back at Hammond all those years. But, like I said, 17 points offensively, I don't see how that can bolt Rattler into thinking he's ready or that the um, um, GMs and the scouts think that he's ready to lead a team in the pros or to be ready. I just don't think 17. And what happened to CBS? I mean, you 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 watched that, Chris. I mean, were you expecting more from Beal Smith, especially after Phil came out and said that um, that Beaver said he was at, or um, Bill Smith himself said that he was 100% and he hasn't felt this way all year? Yeah, I'm not sure why they weren't. weren't touched the ball. Yeah, I don't know, Andy, to answer your question, why he didn't touch the ball, why they weren't able to establish any kind of run game uh, outside of the the wide receivers and and Spencer Rattler. I mean, Joyner had a carry. Uh, Beal Smith only had three, as you pointed out, and Marion Brown had a carry. Juju McDowell, who uh, leading rusher today. But it was at certain points, especially in the second half, it was almost like they said, all right, Spencer Rattler, you're our best player. You've got to go beat Notre Dame by yourself. And that just wasn't going to happen because Notre Dame figured out, sorry, first off, offensively, we can run the football on these guys, and that's all we're going to do for the most part in the second half. And then they got after Rattler for a good bit in the second half. I thought their defensive game plan in the second half in particular was uh, markedly better than what they opened the game with. Yeah, I think the no running game that we were not able to establish really hurt our defense because there was those three and out. It didn't allow mm-hmm. them to rest, and they just got worn, worn to pieces. Okay, fellas, y'all have a great evening. 
Happy New and Year. Enjoy your New Year, and we'll talk to you next year. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Happy New Year to you. Hi, right, buddy. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah, the, the lack of commitment to the running game early on, um, obviously they came out throwing the football, and they never even attempted to establish the running game. Maybe they just thought they couldn't run it. Maybe they felt like their running backs, you know, weren't good enough. I don't know. That's a question that Beamer will have to ask answer here at, at some point. But, yeah, they definitely came out with an unbalanced uh, offensive game plan with the uh, the running part of it, no, not, not part of the, the big picture. Okay, let's bring you just a couple of quick comments, a couple of quick minutes with Brad Brownell. Got to be feeling good. His team off to a 3-0 and start in the ACC. Here's a little bit from what he said a little while ago after that win over NC State. Perfect team win today, uh, and that's exactly what it was. I, team, I thought we had our bench played very well. Ben was terrific. Uh, offensive rebounds, energy, made his free throws. Um, nice job in pick and roll defense. Just uh, gave us a shot in the arm. Josh was really good. Dylan was good. Those guys were good on the perimeter. We only had uh, seven turnovers. You know, we kind of in the middle of the game, we went back, played small, hundred to four, and and. Uh, just to have a little more ball handling out there. And I thought those guys, young guys, did a nice job in the game of taking care of the ball against the presses and, and making some plays for us in the half court. And then obviously Hunter was terrific. Hunter had a you know, a career night, shot the ball unbelievably well, rebounded it, which he's done 13 defensive rebounds. That's, that's fantastic, uh, phenomenal effort. You know, he's just trying to will our team to win, and, and I'm just really proud of him and happy for him the guy who's working as hard as he does and has for so many years that um, good things are happening for him this year. So uh, let's try to keep him healthy since he hasn't been the last couple. But, uh, again, great team win for our guys. And uh, with that, I'll take some questions. Brad, what was it about this matchup that maybe suited Ben well and allowed him to play so well tonight? I don't know. Just, um, you know, they, they, they're denying, they're spreading you out a little bit. Uh, so the middle is open some. You're going to get some balls around there. I think his activity level defensively was good. Um, certainly, you know, they're a very athletic, fast team. You know, Kevin's doing a nice job. I like their team a lot. I think they're good, um, hard to play against. And, uh, you know, Ben is Ben's a mobile big, so he can move around a little bit. Um, you know, his offensive skills keep getting better. And... Uh, you know, his confidence comes with that. I think he made a couple plays, got his confidence up, and, and uh, just was a real energy guy tonight. Um, gave us tremendous energy. Brad, with, with Ben, also, I guess I'll follow up on that. On the offensive end, was a, I guess, a key for him just playing under control Yeah. Uh, t- today on, on that end of the floor? Yeah, I mean, he's different right now than P.J. I mean, he's going to get the ball inside some. We're going to throw it to him occasionally, get him some, but it's not going to be as often as P.J. Um, you know, it's crazy. He can make that top of the key three. He actually makes a lot uh, whenever we do shooting drills and all those things. He just, you know, he's just a young player that's still building his confidence. Um, you know, he needs to see good things happen. When they happen, then his confidence goes up even more, and, and uh, you know, that feeds his energy. Uh, and he's already a pretty energetic guy. Um, he plays with life. Um, you know, he just learning how to slow down, learning how to for the game to slow down for him and calm down and relax, uh, especially on the offensive end. You know, on offense, you, you need to be able to play at 50 miles an hour. Um, 
it's okay on defense to, to go over the speed limit. It's good to be playing 85 miles an hour and playing like your hair's on fire and being aggressive and, and active. And, you know, he does a really good job of that. But sometimes on offense, you can't play uh, at that pace. You've got to be able to slow down, settle yourself down, and read the defense and make good moves. And he's getting better at that. All right, so comments from Brad Brownell after Clemson's 78-64 win today over NC State at Little John. Hunter Tyson leading the Tigers with 31 points. Now, don't forget, coverage of the USC postgame will be on our website, sportstalksc.com. Smitty's there for that. We'll do the same thing here after the Clemson game, plus follow along on Twitter with our uh, reporting and our observations of the Clemson-Tennessee game. Want to wish everybody a happy new year, Chris. The best to you and your family. Happy New Year, Pat. Happy New Year to you and your family. Hope everybody is uh, safe and secure. And back with us Monday night. We'll dive into everything from over the weekend Monday night. Appreciate everybody being with us. Have a great weekend. Happy New Year from Sports Talk. We'll see you Monday.